Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. Hello and welcome and happy 2016, the year of generosity. According to one of my dear friends and mentors, Beatrix Quintana, who does studies the numerology of the year, and 2016 is a nine-year numerologically, which means completions, new beginnings, and finding your spiritual purpose. So this is the year to be of service at a deeper level than ever before. It's a time to find your soul passion. And I'll tell you, uh, being the publisher of Spirit Seeker Magazine for 20 years has just given me this um, immense gratitude. You know, just being able to share it each and every month, looking at the books that arrive, the CDs and DVDs that arrive, and looking at the consciousness of so many people globally coming together to make the world a better place. So it's a pretty amazing time to be on planet Earth, and um, we have the monthly magazine, the weekly radio show, and we also have a, a weekly email newsletter. So I'm doing all announcements at the very beginning. What I would like to encourage you to do is to send us an email to info at spiritseeker.com asking to be added to our sacrosanct email list, and then we will let you know about the different, um, you know, radio show guests, the different activities. We have people from all over that let us know about their events, and we allow them to advertise on our email list because it's a way we can all stay together. So we do periodic giveaways, books, CDs, everything, and you get to hear about everything that's happening in the U.S. and to Canada, and now we're going to be working even into Europe. Okay, so that is it. This is um, a fascinating show we are about to embark on. My uh, guest this evening is Emmanuel Dagger, who I hope I'm saying that correctly. And Emmanuel, um, if I did not pronounce that correctly, you're going to correct me when you come on the air in one second. And this young, I say young man, he's ancient in wisdom, but his wisdom started at a very, very young age. He has memories going all the way back to age three that are very vivid, and that uh, was the beginning of his journey, which led him to be one of the most sought-after transformation specialists, holistic health practitioners. He is an author of a brand-new book that has just come out, Easy Breezy Prosperity. He's a social media personality and motivational speaker. He connects with you through his eye-gazing, and you feel this immense presence, and I don't even know what else to say other than, Emmanuel, thank you so much for being my guest this evening. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for having me, and uh, I can feel the energy. We're going to create some miracles today. We are. So, you know, I love your book, and I love how you you. um, talk about the different cultural views of what prosperity is, what success is, what, what, you know, so many people are like, what's the trick? What's the magic? How do I get there? And, you know, your book covers so many different things and then gives a plan. So mm-hmm. before we actually delve into the book, I would just like for you, whatever you want to share, how did mm-hmm. this, you know, I mean, I, and I know that's a big big landscape, but I would like to hear about your journey starting off as a little child during mm-hmm. the war in Lebanon and how that yeah. whole miraculous miracle has come full circle. <laughs> um, so just like everyone listening, we have we have all experienced some kind of uh, challenge in our life, and you know we've heard it often said that it's not the challenge that makes us, it's how we react to it. So, 
you know, I had a wonderful example in a mother who was very open, very out-of-the-box thinking, especially, you know, people would say she was a hippie, um, especially in the in Lebanon. That was like a very, very progressive thing to be. Um, and so for her to be that way was a great teacher for me to also just remain open and just be myself. So I remember earlier on, um, you know, coming into a very... A war-torn environment where we lived way beyond beyond the um, or excuse me below the poverty level with uh, no running water, um, no hot water, no uh, food sometimes for days. We slept on the ceramic floor, um, so just. A lot, and of course, not having the peace of mind that we're going to um, have safety and comfort and maybe even make it to live another day. So, that kind of uh, environment for the first 10 years of my life could have been an end all, and that's it. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be an angry, sad, upset person who's not going to make any uh, positive impact in the world. But I remember at three years old, really um, sort of in a place, I, I think the uh, uh, Lebanese president had just been assassinated. My mom was in hysteria, panicking. Everybody was crying, you know, all that. And I remember um, getting down on my knees and praying to the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. And I said, God, if you can get my mom, first and foremost, and then myself, if that's you know, if it if it happens that way, um, if you get us to a safe environment, if you allow us to um, have an opportunity to get out of this, then I will spend the rest of my life doing something good in the world, doing some kind of good, some kind of service, giving back. And I didn't know obviously the specifics of what that meant. I just kind of was going through it. I think it was the, the higher self, the spirit talking. I was just sort of. Um, kind of just following. And, um, you know, flash forward, um, at 10 years old, we had an opportunity during the ceasefire to escape, and we came to the United States, and I have not looked back since. I have always remained true to that promise that I made a long time ago. Well, and Emmanuel, the whole thing of being raised in a convent at the front end. Okay, first of all, your mother was an educate, educated woman, and because of her teaching yes. skills, you yes. know, hippie, hippie or not, she was an educated <laughs> woman who, you know, the nuns saw, like, this gift. And they don't take children in to live in convents. No. I mean, no. Yeah, I was the only yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> so were you, like, educated in the classes with the other children, or how did that part look? Yeah, so it was actually an all-girls school um, nearby. So there was the convent, and then the, the it was inside of the convent. There was like the, during that time, especially during the war, for safety reasons. Um, so when my mom would go, I would sort of just observe and kind of watch and learn. I wasn't part of the class, but I was kind of part of the class. So um, almost like a, a an observer, right? In spiritual talk, we say the observer and allowing us to not always be reactive, but more of a observing. So I learned that earlier on where, you know, you don't really talk, you just observe and you kind of see what's going on. And I just absorbed like a sponge. And um, my mom had luckily been, um, you know, by the way, Lebanon, let me just say, it was one of the most beautiful countries. Um, it was called the Paris or the Switzerland of the Middle East before um, you know all of the chaos happened. It was actually owned by France. So it was so beautiful. And during that time when my mom was growing up, she had the privilege of you know her parents sending her to Catholic school and all that. And it was um, not the same um, diocese or whatever, but they knew each other, whatnot, and that's really the reason why we were able to live there and have safety. Otherwise, we would not be here. Well, and you know, how many languages do you speak? I'm just curious. I speak five languages. See, I I started off as a nurse. I went to nursing school, and then I did all my education after that. Um, but I worked in a in a cardiac cath lab with doctors from India. Um, there were four different countries, and we had um, 
we had people come from Turkey. We had we just had, and then we had the the interns that would come through. And we had this intern from uh, Lebanon, Majid Heichel, and I will never forget. Mm-hmm. He would get these phone calls, and his family was in hiding because that was, this was mm-hmm. in um, the night like nineteen seventy four is when I graduated from nursing school. Yes. So um, or seventy four to seventy six, I was in school. At any rate, he would get these calls at the cardiac cath lab, and he would he spoke that many languages, and mm-hmm. you know. So you grew up just, like, totally expanded in so many ways, and yet, and yet, your life was very simple. Yes, and, you know, I think at the core of it, as much as it looked like we didn't have anything, we, you know, my mom and I were so close, and if you know my mom and I, you'd understand that um, I'm more of the parent and she's more of the child. That's just how it is. Um, and that's how it's always been. Uh, the way that I can visualize it is when um, chaos would ensue, she would be in my arms, like crying and, you know, wondering why, why. And I'm sitting there, all is going to be okay, all is going to be fine, love, you know, love yourself, everything's going to be okay. So right. that's sort of um, the, the whole uh, picture that I can give you with our relationship. And I think that's what got us through. Well, and your favorite all-time video movie, <laughs> the, the Sound, Sound of, of Music. music. Okay, I, I have know. watched that movie so many times, and when I saw that that was like your video. <laughs> I know, like, right? And it's, and it's so funny because it was literally, I mean, not throughout the whole movie, but towards the end, it was sort of very, I identified with it very, very much because of what was happening to them. They had to escape and that that whole thing. I mean, it was this, a very similar, very um, kind of uh, parallel to that. Right. So you had a very vivid imagination. You were yeah. translating in all these different languages. You had music. I mean, when I, when you wrote about your mother and you, singing the song silently so that no one outside could hear you. Because first yes. of all, a child in a convent, what's going on? Second of I all, know, right? you know, nuns aren't supposed to be like, you know, other than prayers and, you know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's just, there you were. Yeah. And you know what's amazing is that looking back, they were, my gosh, those nuns, as strict as they could have been, they were so so progressive and they really, really, you know, when you're in a very high stress environment like that, especially with the war, um, people just throw all the rules out and they really care for each other. And I think that was a beautiful thing to see is the compassion. Um, I think the compassion that I received from them has always stayed with me and I've always wanted to sort of pay it back, pay it forward. And, uh, you know, I know that all the experiences that I went through were just stepping stones to help me understand people deeper. You know, I've always felt like a underdog, always. It's always been in in my DNA or um, reality for some reason. And I think a lot of us who are listening can totally relate with that whole indigo or that warrior spirit. And so um, for me, I always, always felt and identified with the underdog. And I really, really have a deeper understanding and compassion for them because that's how I always felt. So you probably, more than the average person, totally understand, like, with what's going on globally with mm-hmm. just so many people fleeing war-torn countries and, you know, and then to be in this in this convent with bars on the windows and hearing the war all around you mm-hmm. and yet being totally removed and knowing, you know, that there was just, like, this whole miracle that happened to even be there and so here you are okay so age three we're gonna move forward now it's mm-hmm. your age 10 and mm-hmm. there is an opening yeah for you so, and your mother so, yes so one of my mom's for actually colleagues um because at that time she was also uh starting to Um, work at a hospital, which is interesting. You said you were a nurse. Um, And so she worked at a hospital doing lab technician work. And one of her um, colleagues knew the mayor of Lebanon. And so 
somehow, some way, we were able to get certain things signed off, and it was still illegal. This guy was Christian, and so he was very progressive. And you know, if he got caught, he would have gotten gone to jail. If my mom got caught, she would have gone to jail because you know you're just not supposed to do that, especially as a woman um, during that time. And it's still you know a little bit uh, imbalanced with that. But um, uh, so we actually had to. Um, hide, you know, I remember being in the car, being in the back seat, underneath her feet, underneath. Have you ever seen Not Without My Daughter? Have you ever seen that movie? With no, Sally but Field? I will now. I'm writing it down right this second. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's so interesting. My mom actually gifted that movie to me a few years ago and said, you know, on it, she wrote down, um, just you'll know exactly what uh, – this will represent. And it's so parallel because my parents, um, well, my real father was not in the picture. And then, you know, there's this whole thing, and I haven't even ever mentioned this to any other interviewer. I'm just uh, uh, feeling open right now. But not only was there a war going on, but when the boy or any child is about to turn seven years old and the parents are separated, my parents got an annulment at a young age. Um, that automatically the son has to start getting pre prepped to live with the family of the father, even if the father is not in the picture. So his parents were in their like 80s or 90s. And oh, so right. like, they, you know, you can't really take care one, you know, full time of a child. And so I remember not only having to deal with the war, but there was another war going on. And so that was very hard because um, I remember sort of at 9 and 10 because they allowed me to stay with my mom because the war was happening, um, they were wanting to um, take me and just basically say, okay, you know, he's going to be uh, taken with you. And so my mom was had to go to the mayor and all that stuff. So anyway, we were able to um, escape and uh, we never looked back since. <laughs> Well, and, you know, what are the chances that you would go to an island, you know, the island of Cyprus, and then the Cyprus. next thing you know, people are all supporting you, getting you visas. Like, you know, my, my daughter lives in Italy and teaches in Italy, and they do not grant any work visas to, mm -hmm. like, Americans right now. And so she's there off the grid, just totally off the grid. She finally got a student yeah. visa, you know, but, but, you know, I mean, she has, she teaches uh, English to in Spain and in Italy, and now she's studying Arabic. So she's just like one of these wow. people that can go back and forth. I know. She went to law school in Miami, and it was an international program, wound up in Spain, realized she hated being a lawyer, and <laughs> just that was not her path. And so the next thing you know, she's like learning languages. She she did that That's undergraduate. Amazing. and. I, and I know it's leading to something. I mean, you know, I have no idea, but now she's teaching at a English at a corporation and in a language school. And it's like, you know, I just have the utmost respect for her because she um, deals with the immigration problem in Italy and mm. all over Europe every single day. And yet, yeah. through her fine mind, like your mother being a teacher, she brings, yes. you know, you, I mean, I know you know. I mean, the more, the more we understand and have compassion, the more we... We help the world, which is what your book, by the way, is doing. And I mean, look at your success. You know, this is your first book, right? Am I right? Um, yes. So the first one was self-published, sort of under the radar, kind of did my own thing. But this is like the first official um, book. Yes. I don't know. It just feels so light and airy and... Um, I don't know. I'm just excited. And Aww, you know, I've studied you. I've studied this topic for so long. Yeah. You'll you'll yeah. laugh at and not laugh, but there was a time when I was hired to teach in Alaska to the holistic community. This was in nineteen ninety seven. The a lot of the indigenous people in Alaska did barter and they did not know how to charge for their services. And so um, they're like, will you please come and teach us, like, how to how to charge for our services? So I basically wow. was teaching a, a breathwork class to open the mind and the body and shift the thoughts and how to embrace prosperity. Well, right as I'm leaving to head to the airport, the, the, the mail came, and there was this book called um, True Prosperity by Shakti Gawain. And mm. I thought about that book a lot as I was reading your book and preparing for this interview because... She said, and, and this is where I'd like to go next, 
she said, because um, you addressed this, that you went mm-hmm. from this austerity to this whole different world with your mother and now stepfather and mm-hmm. expanded, like, as opposite as night and day. And mm-hmm. what Shakti Gawain said is, you know, a, a, people think that true prosperity is like the bank account, but she said mm-hmm. it's it's not the – it is the externals to a degree. Yes, it is, definitely, mm-hmm. but it's the internal, like yes. the internal intrinsic. And so mm-hmm. – and that's that's the magic that I feel like you are bringing to everyone, like like with your journal, you know, that each day you're, you know, looking at your thoughts and et cetera. So – here we go, Emmanuel, mm-hmm, wherever, mm-hmm. <laughs> wherever you want to go. But you have this five-step yeah. process that, yes. you know, and if, but before we get there, do you want to talk about your healing work, that, you know, and coaching? I mean, how you got yeah, to you know, <laughs> um, I think it's all connected. And, you know, this book actually is energy-based. A lot of people who are reading, especially in our, in our sort of spiritual field, are feeling the Christ consciousness energy in it, even though it's a prosperity book. And so I just, I'm really grateful that people are getting it and connecting with that. So I think I'd like to start with sort of what my perspective of prosperity has become as a result of the experiences that I've had in working with so many amazing clients and, and people around the world. Um, so prosperity, you know, to understand, well, first of all, to receive prosperity, it's important to understand what it is and and what it, and excuse me, where it comes from. So prosperity, from my experience, has little to do with the external, although it has some part, but it has little. But it has everything to do with remembering who you really are. So prosperity, that moment, the most prosperous moment you will have in your life is the moment, and hopefully you have many of these moments, is the moment that you remember you are not this small, insignificant being. You are a vast, infinite, universal being. You are a spiritual being, and you are an abundant being. So true prosperity is the reminding, uh, the reminder that you are whole, you are complete, even if the mind tries to convince you otherwise. So when we understand that, that immediately lays the foundation, and it brings the power back. Rather than making us victims, we are now empowered co-creators. Then the other thing uh, sort of that I want to share about prosperity is the kind of prosperity we see in our life, whether it's relationships or money or creativity or whatnot, is a direct result of how we're choosing to treat ourselves. So when you're seeing lack in your bank account or when you're seeing lack in relationships, you're just not getting what you want. I invite you to consider, just think about it, I invite you to consider that maybe it has nothing to do with those specific things and that's not where we would want to start, but going to the root of, oh my gosh, what am I not giving to myself? What am I not allowing myself to receive and be open to? And um, am I being generous with myself? Am I taking good care of myself? If you start there, if you just simplify it, and start there, then you can start building, and then your reality, your feedback, and we've heard it through so many wonderful teachers, uh, what you create or what you envision you create. So how you're treating yourself will become that reality of how others and how the universe is showing up for you. Well, and you know, the whole thing you were talking about in your book about staying organized on time. Okay, I'm a feng shui consultant, mm-hmm. and I'm a real estate agent. I know you're like, how many times has she reinvented herself? But, you know, That's cool. it, it's true. It's true, though. I go in and out of amazing homes, and, you know, in order to sell your home, you have to get it in order. So yeah. there was a there, there was a study done with three um, houses where a feng shui consultant team came in, and they decluttered what you talk about, they decluttered the house and made it the most the, the most amazing, beautiful homes. And guess what those people did? They loved their houses so much they took them off the market. So at that time, the real estate agents were like, we're never using a feng shui consultant again. This is just like terrible. We lost these sales. But really what happened is what you talk about in your book. When you honor your space and you declutter and you, like, I mean, I can't even imagine having clutter in a convent you know, I mean, 
you started from the beginning with such clarity and this spiritual aspect to your life that this honoring you're talking about is truly like part of it, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, um, I think that our space is an extension of us. So if you can view a house as an extension of you, as a living, breathing energy, rather than just a box with you know a roof over it, um, then you're going to start seeing it as an extension of you, and then you're going to understand, oh my gosh, okay, so let me make it a little bit more um, environmentally pleasing to me. Uh, fragrances and colors and sounds and shapes and, and, of course, being organized. And a lot of people, especially in um, spiritual communities, uh, have a tendency, from what I've realized, to sometimes be a little bit their head is in the clouds and they're not fully present. They're kind of escaping because they've always had to be very much, um, you know, nine to five, working hard, all that stuff. So they kind of go the other direction. But we want to make sure we honor both aspects. We want to honor the creative um nurturing, loving, spiritual side. And we also want to honor the organized side because if we don't honor the organized side, then it's going to start acting out. And then it's going to start becoming like, you know, the whole tantrum thing with the ego and emotional, all that. But if you give it an outlet, a healthy outlet to be organized, to be structured, to have a, you know, a to-do list and all those things, then it actually feels like it's doing something. It feels like it's contributing, and then it feels like it's being fulfilled. Therefore, it's not going to react, and then you're going to have that balance. Well, and that's part of the investing in yourself, you know, and I love the exercise that you wrote about and hear about um, arriving early for appointments, honoring honoring other people's times, but then also not overstaying, which so many people get it blurred they they don't get mm-hmm. that time is precious yes yes and that's something you know really being mindful of that but um you know my mom actually uh was the one who instilled this in me she always said you know make sure you're maybe five ten minutes early if you have an appointment a meeting or whatnot because people really see that whether they verbalize it or not they will feel respected. They will feel honored. And that's such an important thing, um, especially in business and especially in in relationships, is to allow the person that we are having that relationship with to feel honored. And, you know, there are actually schools of thought in spiritual communities that say, oh, you know, there is no time and, you know, and they'll show up an hour late and two hours late. And, oh, my goodness, I was, I was, you know, I'm very compassionate, very nonjudgmental, but that's something that I was like getting boiled by that. And I was working on myself and I was like, oh, my God, why is this triggering me? Why is this bothering me? And so I realized because it is a form of disrespect. You're not really aware and mindful of the other person because you're so in your own, you know what, that you're not really caring. You're not visualizing and understanding that there's other people who are playing here with you. So it's a very self-absorbed, self-involved thing. Um, So what I would say to those who are feeling like, oh, it's no time, whatever, really, if you're in no time, then you're always going to be on time because you're fully present. If you're saying that it's no time and you're always late, you're not fully present and you're not in that nonlinear time. You're very much in linear time. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. There was a there was a time, Emmanuel, in my younger years, I okay, I don't know. It wasn't that I was being consciously disrespectful, but I would be late for everything. And it has been a lifelong pattern. And one of the mm-hmm. best things that happened for Cindy Meyer is like most of my work's done over the phone until real estate and, you know, and feng shui because you're going, although I do do them remotely, for the most part, I'm going to people's homes. I'm showing property. I have to be more organized than I've ever had to be in my life. I mean, the magazine is, for the most mm-hmm. part, everything's electronic. And But I can remember a time when we would have to run, you know, the the printouts of the articles mm-hmm. to the editor. The editor would make the manual changes and there'd be hours on the phone, you know, with making <laughs> I mean, now it's like so easy. We upload to a server. You know, all of that's easy. And for mm-hmm. the most part, you know, people come to me. But being in real estate and working with different, mm. 
you know, cultures like yeah. I have uh, Asian clients right now, they are always early. They no matter how early they're, you know, and it uh-huh. just, you know, it's but but it's I've had to train myself, and even tonight, it's funny. I didn't realize. I I always set these timers now, and that's what you were actually suggesting is that yeah. you set a timer. Um, and it really works so well. You know, I did it. I do it a lot with the micromanaging. Like, I'll take 15 minutes and take on a project and say, okay, I'm going to do 15 minutes on this. And then I'll set the timer. And it just helps me because mm-hmm. it's amazing what you can get done when you say, oh, okay, I'm going to work on this in 15, for 15 minutes. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I definitely. Um love that uh you know you are experiencing so many different backgrounds and walks of life in in the real estate because um it shows you feedback you know hmm, oh okay this is what i want to be a little bit more like or this is something that i want to release and let go of um but yeah it's something that i i actually coming here to the states and going to school um i remember you know being the first one on the bus stop you're like all that stuff but just really interesting going back and thinking about how disciplined I was, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, any kind of monastic life, there's rule, not not rules, but, you know, I love how you said the nuns kind of threw the rules out during war because, you know, yeah. you have rules, but then you have rules. And, yeah. you know, I mean, and I have to tell you, you're going to laugh. One of one of my things this lifetime is I owned a Middle Eastern restaurant and it was a pita bakery. <gasps> so this, wow. was, this was not my, this was not my vision. It was my second husband's vision, but I helped him uh-huh. create this. All right. So he, we had this pita bakery and we, the, the the Israelis who owned the restaurant before we bought it were in an Arab country, and they observed in an amphitheater the the um, people making pita bread, and they ordered this pita oven and had it shipped to the United States and came to the United States. They had never actually done it. They observed it, and then they practiced. Wow. So here we were making pita bread at you know, we had to be there you know, like five thirty six in the morning because we mm-hmm. opened at 9, and by then the bread had already been baked and everything. And so when you were, like, talking about you subsisted really a lot on pita bread and water. And yes, it makes yes. everything simple, doesn't it? Like, when you don't have to think about creating huge meals and all this other nonsense, right. or it's like everything gets very simple. I love and, the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. It's it's so good because, you know, I am all about simplicity and, uh, you know, as much as I have a few things like, you know, honoring time and things like that and being organized in that way, you know, it's also important to um, be spontaneous and be in the moment and have fun and let your hair down and just put your feet up and just play. You know, those are just as important um, as that. It's just about bridging that gap and sort of creating that balance there. Okay, so I'm going to read the five core foundations that your yes. book addresses. Okay, and then because um, we we're 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 all over, but I when I, I listeners, this book is absolutely brilliant. Number one, finding happiness. Mm. No, and that's what 2016 is really all about. It's like we're we're here to be of service at a higher spiritual level this year, and you have to love what you're doing and find your joy. So um, Emmanuel starts this book with finding happiness and then embracing circulation, and he'll explain this in a moment, and then investing in yourself and creating balance, which is where we were just just there a a moment ago, and then building a support network. You're not in this alone. You have to have, like, that uh, tag team. And then practicing gratitude and kindness. So, yes. Emmanuel, it is all yours. Where do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's start with the first prosperity. So, you know, the reason why I felt it was so important to talk about finding your happiness, because so many of my clients that I was working with, when we were working on that, they didn't even know what hap- like they didn't know how to be happy. They didn't even know how to connect with that energy. They thought that they did, but they just couldn't fully receive it and, and be in it. So, um the way that we worked through that is really reminding them of the time between, let's say, two years old and 15 years old and thinking about all of the things that really made their heart sing during that time. Did they like to sing? Did they like to dance? Did they, did they like science? Did they like um, you know, games? Like, What is it that they really, really enjoyed? And really making a list about 
and of all those things because as trivial, as silly as it may sound, that's where it all started for you. So think about that, you know, and don't correlate it to a job. Don't correlate it to having to do anything. Just really write it out and just look at it, kind of marinate on it for a while. Then after a week or so, I invite them to uh, begin integrating some of these um, things in their life. And, oh, my gosh, you would think that they were a lit-up Christmas tree because they just were not giving themselves permission, first of all, to do and be happy and realizing how simple it really was. I mean, one of them, one of my um, clients, uh, one of their favorite things to do was to play tag just to play tag. That was one of their favorite things as kids because they just loved running and they loved to, you know, laugh and, and do things like that. So what did they do? They started playing tag again with their kids and they had fun. They said that they have not had that much fun in decades just by playing tag, as simple as that. And what happened was it actually moved the stagnant energy. It moved them out of judgment and being hard on, them, on themselves and thinking that they have to be so serious, and they opened themselves up, and, oh, my gosh, their prosperity, um, it seemed like it had nothing to do with it, but because we were on that 28-day program, of course, we know there's no coincidences. So during that time, they actually got a huge bonus, and then they got another opportunity in their company to sort of expand and grow, and now they're able to prosper financially and still have fun doing it. So it was just amazing. Um, And that's one of many of those stories. So um, finding your happiness is very important and understanding that it's not limited to one thing. It's many things that really make your heart sing and giving yourself permission to fulfill all of that. Um, The other thing is around that is a lot of people think that uh, their purpose is a title. So my purpose is to um, have a job, it's to be a mom, it's to be a dad, a friend, whatever. And so that's great. But if you go a little bit deeper, what do those things provide you? What do they give you? If you simplify it, usually they bring you joy on some level. It brings you kind of some kind of joy. And if your job's not bringing you joy, guess what? You're not on purpose. So that's the thing is really simplifying, understanding, and um, starting to give yourself permission to be happy and to find your purpose was just, just to be happy. The next foundation is circulation. So here in this chapter, we talk about the game changer, which has been what so many of the readers um, have been really, really giving me amazing feedback on. Um, understanding what money is, because I think it's important um, to talk about the money aspect of it because we really want to bridge that with the spiritual uh, part of ourselves. And so seeing money as an extension of us, you know, no longer seeing it as separate, but seeing it. And that's really hard for a lot of us, especially people in, you know, if you believe in past lives, there's so many past lives, oaths of poverty, if you are a monk, if you are a nun, I mean, so many religious things teaching us that money is not spiritual. So, What happens is in that chapter, we redefine and understand what money really is, that it's a living, breathing energy. It's always been living and breathing. And just like you have a purpose, money has a purpose. And if your purpose is to be happy, money's purpose is simply to be the embodiment of giving and receiving energy. That's all. So its purpose is simply to be the physical uh, manifestation of giving and receiving energy, love. So let's give it that honor and that right and that dignity to live its purpose instead of judging it. And when we see it as a living, breathing energy, we can start to have a wonderful new relationship. The way that I think about it is if my best friend was treated the way that I was treating money back in the day, like really, it would, my friend would be running the other direction and never calling me again. Think about that. If you are thinking about how much you don't have money, if you're thinking about how only um, greedy people or very elite, special, rich people can have it, that you have to pay your dues, that it's not that spiritual, you feel guilt, any guilt that you feel around it, that's putting this kind of energy around it that uh, it's not okay for it to exist. So when we start getting, and by the way, 
we shouldn't blame ourselves for any of that. That was just learned behavior, and we were just doing the best that we could. But now that we know better, now that we can understand that money is alive, and it's not this lifeless object, just like a rock is alive, a plant is alive, a tree, you know, everything is alive because it's part of the universe, then we can start seeing it and treating it as so, and then it will start to come to you because now you're a healing presence for it. You're raising the consciousness of this energy of money, and you're healing it. So it's going to want to come to you, and that was the big transformation for me. Well, and it is. I mean, you look at the words that... that you know, um, have been used throughout all time, currency, you know, um, energy. You look at the pyramids on the the money and, in, in, mm-hmm. you know, in currency. You look at the third eye. You look at, you know, Benjamin Franklin, you know, with electric. You, you look at, you know, mm-hmm. Alexander Graham Bell who just wouldn't give up. You know, he knew mm-hmm. that there was a way that we were, you know, I mean, think about these geniuses, you know, and, you know, one of my favorite books of all time is this book called Cosmic Consciousness, where it's all the different existentialists who had this cosmic moment where they realized that we're all so connected. So it's like Sir Francis Bacon, you know, Emerson, mm. Thoreau, all the different, you know, philosophers and like this moment where it's like through time and space, everything was like just like connected and to me like you you address this like the merging of science and spirituality like they've been separate Mm -hmm. and now they're coming together Mm -hmm. and really they've never been separate it's just the illusion right the mind sort of separated them but they've always been one it's always been that way and now we're just remembering again and that goes back to understanding what prosperity really is is remembering who you really are and everything that all these foundation, all they're doing is reminding you of who you are, understanding that you are much greater than what the mind sometimes likes to think it is because it only goes into those survival patterns to protect itself. Um, so prosperity three, the foundation three, is all about investing in yourself. So a lot of people, um, especially in Western societies, we've been conditioned to work for someone else and, you know, make them successful and we're like literally investing in their dreams. Um, But what about your visions and your dreams? And um, really giving yourself permission to do that, not only financially, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally, um, investing in your vision, in your gifts, in your talents, your abilities. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. um, And understanding that investing in yourself is so important because, see, you are the universe manifested. You're the micro of the macro. And I know your audience gets that. I haven't, you know, I don't really say that to a lot of of the shows that I'm doing right now. Uh, But your audience understands exactly what I'm talking about, that they are the spirit in full manifestation in its full glory. So when you can understand that, then it's going to become easy to invest in your dreams and goals because those are now extensions of the spirit, the vast universe, just wanting to be fully realized. Your dreams, your desires are there for a reason. The deep ones, the true ones, the ones that you know that have been with you always, those are the universe wanting to fully express and realize itself. So give yourself permission to do that. You know, Emmanuel, how you were talking about, like, going back to those first 15 years, like age three, you know, age three when we or you know, your trust level is set by age three. So much is like mm-hmm. people don't get it. It's like, you know, you don't have words when you're first born. You know, you come in as a spiritual being and you're dependent totally, like, for everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, after the first six years, you're you're being educated in most cases, like, you know, and your your physical has, like, totally catapulted from this little small baby to this fully walking human being and then Mm -hmm. you know you have your dreams you you know your mind is open when you go out into the world so to speak with other people that are being entrusted and opening your mind and I can remember I don't know why but when you were talking I thought what what were my dreams as a kid you know and I my parents my mom and my stepfather would take my older brother and me to the library I mean this is how different times were I, I know mm-hmm. that you landed in Indiana when you came to the states well I've been <laughs> in St. Louis Missouri okay and oh, in the Midwest I love, that. I love it there I know we're like we're like the heart 
of the country. And so, yes. I mean, things are different now, but back when I was a kid, we rode bikes. We were like allowed to be gone yes. two hours, whatever. And, you know, you mm-hmm. just never worried about things. But my parents would literally drop my older brother and me off at the library. We had our library cards. I know I wasn't even in school yet. And I, I would take the maximum number of books that we could check out. <laughs> and I can remember during my summers, I would go to the bookmobile that came to our subdivision, and I read about every every saint book. I, I read about all Saint Teresa of Avila, you know, all the different saints, all the different. I don't know. I was just I would carry these books. I'd have to walk a mile to get to the bookmobile, and then walk back. And here here I am every month now. Yes. You know, yes. for twenty years like getting the beautiful privilege of, you know, finding my way to these authors and people that are, you know, publishing these books that are making the world a better place. And think about it. I mean, just think about it. It was like, but I didn't. I just got goosebumps. Right. It's like all part of the destiny. And so, you know, I just, I just love. I can see you. I can see you as that little girl, you know, chuck in those books and like you're just so dedicated you're so committed oh my gosh i just want to hug you well my family was kind of interesting i was raised with five brothers and they were all tv people and i was a reader so one night uh-huh. a week they would insist they thought i was being antisocial, but really it's just that <laughs> i always have needed more quiet than the average person and, and people yeah. think i'm an extrovert and i am but there's this whole other quiet yeah. inner landscape. And so one night a week, I'd, uh, they would say, you have to come watch TV with the family. And so, <laughs> like, I mean, the rest of the time, I was very happy reading books and just, uh-huh. I don't know. I just, I would, I would like, put a towel underneath the door and put a towel over my lamp so my parents wouldn't know I was up reading with my, you know, light or flashlight till like, uh-huh. all hours. But I would rather not have sleep and be able to read. I know, isn't that weird? That's so beautiful. No, that's beautiful, and um, it's just such a endearing and such a, a beautiful thing to to hear about, actually. I don't know, but this whole thing about investing in yourself, and I love the exercises in this book where you sit down and you, you know, find out, you know, what do I need to do to invest in myself? What do I need to do um, to create more balance? What do I need to do to make time to play? And, mm-hmm. you know, Building your business, you addressed that too, and I, yes. I really like how you uh, suggest taking time every week to do a sit down, you know, with yourself for a good brainstorming session. So it's like your own mastermind yes. creativity session. Yes. So talk yes, about absolutely. that just a little bit. <laughs> yes, and of course, you know, you can do that with yourself, and then of course, you can do that with someone that you um, are inspired by, and someone that uh, is very meaningful for you. And that goes into the next. Uh, prosperity foundation which is building a support network a lot of us have a hard time especially as empaths we have a we used to have a hard time let's say um asking for help asking for support you know for me um my gosh you'd think that that was the worst thing that i could do is to ask for some help because you know we've been conditioned that you know if you ask for help you're either weak or you someone wants something in return or whatnot so i was very afraid of that um, so, you know, through a lot of personal healing and energy work and, and kind of just really shifting my perspective um, and being committed and showing up, I was able to finally start asking for support in a way where I was also supporting and it was that balance was there. So uh, building a support network, you know, anyone like Oprah or whoever, they'll tell you it takes a village. So you want to be open and available and not fixed. You know, someone who is very, um, very uh, controlling or very um, rigid and fixed usually doesn't go very far, as, especially in the happiness part of prosperity. They may financially get successful, but they're not fully fulfilled. So if we stay humble, if we stay open, if we stay flexible and available, that's a very important thing because what if someone has a suggestion Um, you know, what if uh, they say, hey, try this or whatnot, and you're open and available, you're going to receive that with more ease and grace. But, and then if it doesn't resonate with you, you can let it go. But if you're so focused on the fact that it has to be a specific way, and it has to show up a certain way, and it's your way or no way, you know what, we know that that's sort of like 
what's crumbling anyway. A lot of the old structures that we're seeing in the world um, that have been around for hundreds of years, maybe longer, are not really thriving anymore because they were operating on such a density. But now that flexibility, that wave, we want to ride the wave, we want to be with the wave. You know, um, I think it was Bruce Lee that said, um, uh, be, be like water, right? Or right, something like right. that. Right, I where, love those where, movies. I love those movies. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh my gosh, because I'm actually flow. wearing my, oh, I'm actually wearing my Bruce Lee t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what feng shui means is wind and water. And, you, yes. know, we, we, you know, we don't want a, 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 a hurricane and we don't want a tornado and we don't want a stagnant, like, hot summer Midwest day where nothing is moving. We want movement. Right. We want, you know, the sound of the trickling. We want the wind and the feeling of the breeze. And so, yeah, Bruce Lee, like, those were wise words, become like the water and flow. And you can actually, like, you know, in Tai Chi, you know, it's the five Chinese, you know, the five Chinese elements and, like, all the different movements, you know, go from that one Wu Chi where you're grounded and centered and then everything flows from there. And so, you know, it's just, it's just fascinating when you, you know, when you look at water and what it can do. And, you know, here we are in St. Louis where we just had these floods in the middle of January. Like, what the heck was that? You know, and water is always emotion. So we're the heart chakra of the country and we had the, this rain six, I know it was more than that. It was nine inches of rain in like three days. And, you know, it's like we've all come together as a community and FEMA's helping and people all over are helping. But it's like no, people don't realize we have these two rivers. You know, they think, you know, the ocean tsunamis and, you know, hurricanes. But like the Midwest with these rivers, it's huh. it's really, it's it's funny. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm so glad that, you know, that's that's uh, being taken care of and addressed. And um, I'm sure there's something greater at play where something is being purified, cleansed, you know, things like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So we're going to number five because I want to talk about the 28-day yeah. uh, journal. So practicing gratitude and kindness. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and, and we've heard it over and over again, but, you know, my take on gratitude is not the whole, oh, just going through the motions and being grateful and great, da-da-da. To me, it's a divine honor. You know, when we are grateful, we are showing the universe, we are showing spirit, our higher self, whatever you want to call it, the greatest honor because you are acknowledging it. You're literally acknowledging the fact that this divine intelligence has brought you this gift in this moment, whether it's your breath, whether it's uh, the opportunity to have a beautiful day, whether it's to experience the sunshine, whether it's to laugh with a group of friends, to have a wonderful meal, all those things. Taking a moment and really expressing gratitude is so powerful and it's such an acknowledgement. You know, we all love, as human beings, we all love to be seen and acknowledged, even though, you know, some of us hide and things like that because of the traumas around it. But um, when at our core, the best gift that we can give one another is to see each other and to recognize and to acknowledge that we exist. So when we can be grateful, we're not only doing that for each other and for ourselves, we're doing it for the universe. So to me, it's such a holy, sacred energy. And um, when we express it and experience it, we open ourselves, our vision expands, and we start seeing more of the blessings that we can be grateful for. And that really is very connected to kindness as well. Uh, one of my favorite people, and Ellen DeGeneres, you know, at the end of her show, Fabulous. every single time, she's like, be kind to one another. Be kind. And, you know, it can get very repetitive to just people listening, but she says it every day, every day, because she knows the power and impact that that word, that energy has. She has helped so many people. That You know, the Global Awards, I normally don't even watch them, but I somehow happened yeah. on those the other night. And I happened, of course, when she was right before she, you know, received her award. And I just thought, <laughs> she is so deserving, you know, just so deserving. And, you know, you can feel her when she skips around, like you were talking about, you know, the happiness dance and, you know, make your list of things you're yes. grateful for and, ha- and then create the music or YouTube, whatever it is, like turn it up. And just yes. be happy, you know. And I, I also love your whole take on smiling. You know, I can remember learning a meditation from one of my teachers along the way where you put the tongue on the roof of the mouth and mm. you smiled. And you just 
were you know you held that pose and like you know that's one of the things you're talking about in your in your 28 day prosperity plan is taking time to set the tone of the day by mm-hmm. bringing the smile Mm. And one thing that I do um, is also make sure that you're smiling with your eyes and with your heart in addition to your, you know, to your mouth and your cheeks. So always when you're smiling and you're looking in the mirror before you start the day, just smile with your eyes. And I actually start with my eyes, then I go into my smile, my usual smile, and then I'll go into my heart. So I kind of add. It's like one plus one plus one. So that's sort of a um, uh, very uh, trinity, very holistic approach to that. And it's very simple, and very easy. And the reason why I came up with the 28-day plan, because, you know, the part of us that does want to have it very easy and very structured for us, kind of laid out, um, I wanted to appease that part of ourselves. You know, this book is very spiritual, but I also wanted to make it very practical. So um, I would say this, that you can do it two ways. You can actually start the 28 days and do it from 1 to 28 and, you know, allow yourself to see and kind of um, keep track of how and, and what blessings start showing up. Or if you're someone who is more ADD or whatnot, you can actually just open it up, open the book, and see what it is that the universe wants for you to do that day or your intuition. So there's two ways to do that. Um, you can try both. But I usually like, you know, when I'm feeling like I want to be a little more organized, I'll go for that 28-day, just like how there's so many diet books and all these things. Um, and uh, I tried it, and I've and I've uh, given it to many of my clients over the years, and they've really had huge shifts with it. And oh, you you faded away. Are you there? Yes. Oh, there you are. You're back. You're back. So you've tried it different ways, but you know, I I wanted to wait until after the interview. So my my morning is starting tomorrow. But um, I want to mention. Uh, listeners, that you can order this book through Amazon.com. You can go to EasyBreezyProsperity.com. Um, this is going to be with various book retailers all throughout, you know, nationwide. Um, Emmanuel, why don't you men- mention all of your different, um, your personal yeah. website page as well, your social media, everything else. Thank you so much, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for this beautiful, wonderful opportunity to play with you and your audience. It's just been such an honor. Thank you for the work that you're doing for the world through everything. Um, and so your uh, readers or, or your listeners can check out the book at easybreezyprosperity.com. I've created an amazing um, audio healing gift package that goes along with anyone who purchases a copy of the e- ebook or the regular copy of the book hardcover um and that's a, an amazing value and it's a four-part um session series that will really support the book and then you can also go to emmanueldagger.com and find a little bit more about my healing work there um and any events that i have coming up and then of course facebook everything that i you know i see social media as an extension of who we are rather than a chore or a job especially for those of us who use it for work um and so every post every picture everything you know i i spend time i i really uh you know i want to make sure that i'm doing it myself uh because i think it sort of uh, creates this connection to uh, who you are and people can feel it. So all of that's there, uh, Facebook, Emmanuel Dagger 1, and uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. I'm always around and available. If you have any questions, always feel free to email, email me. Well, it's so funny. I spent the day. Um, I had. I okay. Spirits of your site has been gifted to me. I don't know how many times different people have redesigned it, and right now it is stagnant. And I know it's stagnant. The picture of me is from 2008 when I went to Egypt. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. Cindy Meyer, what the heck? You're good with all this other stuff, and I have all these techies on my team. But it's like, the more we connect and stay current like so many the magazine's current but my website's not and i know it and i thought mm-hmm. okay that's well part of my prosperity plan you know is finding different people who will do like it's funny you're doing a lot for yourself i do my whole radio show i do my whole website when my producer took wow. a time job i cried i cried right oh no i've learned how to do the switchboard i've learned how to do all these other things and it's like i just think it's a magical time we're living in you know 
I I just want to learn more on how to communicate mm-hmm. on every level, and I love your 28 day the prosperity program it couldn't have come at a more perfect time for me you know Yay. i i'm just grateful emmanuel so oh my gosh well from my heart to yours and for all the listeners remember this is a podcast the minute this um interview is complete it you know we have all these after hour listens and you know you can take the link and you just send it to all your friends and they can listen to this interview too and okay so final words of advice for us in this wonderful year ahead what is your final word of wisdom words of wisdom for us emmanuel um, I'm feeling moved to say that you are doing a great job. Everyone listening, you are doing a great job. You're doing the best that you can. Be gentle with yourself. Give your mind the right to sort of be in the way that it's been showing up for you. Thank it for trying to protect you, and you will start opening yourself up to greater prosperity. And so it is. So thank you so much, Emmanuel, and I just wish you much continued success. And I just saw your post the other day. All these other countries are wanting to translate your book. It's like, it's fabulous. Mm -hmm. And so you are like on track. So my words for you, keep doing what you're doing. And I'm so grateful for your mom. I'm grateful for all the feminine energy that came in front end to help you step into the yang masculine energy of sending it out. Thank you so much. And I'm sending you lots of love. Thank you. Okay. All right. Good night, everyone. Have a fabulous week. Namaste. Okay. Thank you.